Welcome to A Slob Comes Clean, the podcast. I'm Dana White. I blog almost every day over at aslobcomesclean.com. Over there, I call myself Noni, which is short for anonymous, because that's where I share the completely honest and never-ending story of my personal deslobification process. It's where I share the truth about cleaning and organizing methods that actually work in my home in real life. And for other people who don't necessarily love cleaning and organizing. Uh, Today, in this podcast, I'm going to talk about garage sales, um, tips for pricing and setup for garage sales. Uh, In podcast number 27, I uh, talked about just getting your mindset correct for a garage sale. Uh, But before I go into that, I just want to make sure that I make it clear, in case this is the only podcast you've listened to from me, that I personally have come to a place, because I've been on this journey to get my home under control and to change my mindset on, uh, you know, how to get my, keep my house consistently, nicely livable. Um, that mindset change has changed me into a donator instead of a garage sale haver. Um, I have nothing against garage sales. I think they're great motivation for people, uh, to get things out of their home. If that's your motivation, I think that's a great thing. And I'm not saying I'll never have another one again, but I have come to a place where I personally don't necessarily do it. And I do think that thinking a garage sale is the only way can be detrimental to your own personal journey in getting your house under control. So, but with that said, like I explained last week in the podcast, I have, um, kind of a garage sale resume that, uh, I feel gives me some authority on this subject, partly because, um, I got into this mess due to my addiction to going to garage sales and buying things I did not need, uh, and filling up my house with stuff as I sold on eBay, but didn't sell at all and kept bringing things into my home, but not getting it out at the same rate. And, um, it ended up a huge, big disaster. So I have been to a lot of garage sales. I've seen what works, what doesn't work. I've been to garage sales early in the morning when people are grabbing things off the shelves and throwing money at the people who are having the garage sale. And I've been at garage sales in the afternoon where uh, nobody's bought anything all day and it's been a terrible disaster for the people who put a lot of work into it. And the, the honest fact is having a garage sale is a ton of work, like a ton of work. And if you're gonna do it, it's best to know what to do. Um, So that's why I'm sharing these tips. Uh, Before I get into that, though, make sure you can uh, know that you go to aslobcomesclean.com slash connect to find me on all of my social media channels. I would love to connect with you over on the blog, through comments, or on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all those lovely places. I would love to connect with you because we really have a nice community of people who are honest about their struggles and that... Um, you know, the little perfect homes that you see and some of the people that you know, and you think, oh my word, I have no idea how these people do it. What's wrong with me? There's nothing wrong with you. We, our brains just work differently and you're not alone. Let me just guarantee you that you are definitely not alone if you feel like you struggle in your home. So connect with me over there. Um, also, if you have questions that you would like answered in future podcasts or comments, um, feel free to email me at a slob comes clean dot, um, a slob comes clean at gmail.com. Uh, 
Also, make sure if you want to see the show notes for this show, go to aslobcomesclean.com slash podcasts with an S, and there you will see links to the different podcasts. If for some reason podcast number 28 is not directly linked on that page when you get there, just hit see all my podcasts here because I get behind in getting those on there. Um, See all my podcasts here and you'll find number 28 pretty quickly. So let's get into garage sales. Um, as I said, I'm a donator now, but I do know a lot about garage sales from having them personally. Cause I did have, I probably had four or five over the course of about two years. I know my neighbors love me. Um, but I did in this whole original, you know, get things out of my house in that total moment of frustration. I can't believe I've let my house get like this. I've got to get stuff out. Um, you know, I just, I I had garage sales and it was pretty consistent. I had one in December one time. Now I do live in Texas where it's not like it's snow on the ground in December usually. Um, and you know, I sold tons of my kids toys with the idea that, Hey, maybe people will want some of these writing toys and things like that for Christmas. And guess what? They sold really, really well. I know people do buy Christmas presents at garage sales. Can you believe that? I mean, I would totally do that. And I have done that, but anyway, okay. So pricing and setup is the subject for today. Pricing tips. Less may mean more. And I talked about this in last week's podcast where I talked about mentality and getting your expectations correct and realizing you're not setting up a resale boutique in your garage. You're having a garage sale. Um, But just to go back over that, pricing tips, less may mean more. I have made the most money at a garage sale. The garage sales where I sold things for the cheapest were the ones where I made the most money. It's a mental thing. Okay. I'm gonna tell you a little story about a friend who had a garage sale. Uh, she'd never been to garage sales before. This was her first one to have. She was very well off in a very nice neighborhood where people, the kind of neighborhood that people are going to see that you're having a garage sale in the paper. And they're going to say, Ooh, I'm going to go there because those people, I bet you have really nice stuff. Um, So she had put tons of work into hanging up all of her um, designer baby clothes, individually pricing them, taking the time to look at them and say, oh, this, this outfit is such and such brand and I'm going to put this price on it. And she didn't have ridiculously high prices, but she individually priced them two, three, four dollars. Um, And then she had all these stained onesies and sleepers and she was like, nobody's even going to want these, but she just threw them in a basket and put 50 cents a piece on them. And I bet you can guess what happened. People came to the garage sale, all excited. They knew she was going to have kids clothes. They knew she was wealthy. They were expecting nice clothes at this garage sale. They got there. They glanced briefly at all the beautifully hung up clothes and they fought over the stained sleepers for 50 cents a piece or 25 cents, whatever. I don't remember. But the deal was she put a ton of work into what she was doing. Lots of thought into pricing individual items and it kind of was a disaster. She, she ended up just selling the thing, you know, people, go for the cheap stuff at garage sales. Okay. Again, these are the people who aren't going to the resale boutiques. I mean, you might think, Oh, I I get great deals because I go to the resale boutiques. But when I was big into garage sales, I would go even to Salvation Army and Goodwill. And I'd be like, 
$3 for a kid's shirt? Are you kidding me? I can get this at a garage sale for 50 cents because I could, because that's true, because that's how garage sales are. And so knowing that and being ready to price things accordingly is going to serve you well. Okay. So that is my little story. The truth is that, um, people are, are going to go for the shorter, I mean, the smaller amount. And like I explained last week, this was me in garage sales. And I was looking through the, the posts that I've written on garage sales before. And I wrote in it, and this was four years ago, that just last, last the week before I had been to a sale that had really gorgeous little girls dresses. And I have a little girl. Now she has developed this thing called personal opinion. Well, anyway, about what she wears. And so she's much more particular about what she wants to wear. But at the time she was four, so I could pretty much dress her how I wanted to dress her. So I went to this garage sale, gorgeous little girl dresses, things that I wanted so badly. And they were all priced between two and $3, which is fine. I mean, that's a great price for that little dress. However, this was my personal mentality. I looked at those dresses and I thought, you know what? She is not wearing that size yet. And so I'm going to have to store that dress for two years before I can, you know, before she can actually wear it. And for $3, that's not worth it to me to store that dress for, you know, a couple years. But, and I also knew in my head that there was a really good chance I was going to find another garage sale that day or that month where I would find things that were in her size for cheaper. Now, if she was wearing that size at the time, I probably would have bought one dress for two or $3. But if they were a dollar, I would have said, oh, wow, I can totally grab two or three of these dresses and store them for two years. Because mentally, that's that's just what I'm willing to do for a dollar. Now, if they were 50 cents, I probably would have bought every single dress that they had. And those people would have made more money. They didn't make any money from me. If I happened to have a daughter that size, they would have made $3. Okay. But you're, you know, you're getting into mathematics here of, are you going to have people who need that exact item and are willing to pay what's considered a high price for garage sales in my area? Are they going to be willing to pay that? Do they need it right this second? You know, you don't necessarily have this huge pool of buyers. And, you know, you think about it in a store, if you're a clearance looker, then you think about how long a store often has an item before the right person who needs it comes by and is willing to pay the price for it. So, you know, you've got a one day shot to get rid of this stuff. And so having it a lower price is a better chance of you getting it out of there. So I would have spent at least $3 and they would have gotten rid of three things if um, they were a dollar. If they were 50 cents, I probably would have bought everything they had and they would have made five, six, ten dollars $10. I don't know. But the point is the lower price, the more stuff you get out of there, the um, more money you ultimately end up making and getting stuff out is your main goal. Making money is your secondary goal. And, um, you end up making more money at cheaper prices is my belief. 
Now, here's where I throw in my little disclaimer that I could be totally wrong because you might have that person who's never been to a garage sale before in their life. This is not their normal thing, but they come by, they know brand names. They know that this is a fantastic deal to get, you know, this gorgeous Gymboree full set for $7, whatever, you know, it's got the hat and the dress and the you know socks and everything that match. They know that that's a great deal. They may come and buy everything you have for $7 a piece. It's totally totally possible. And when I talk about advertising your sale in next week's one, I'll tell you how to get to the point where you're more likely to have those people. But the truth is you have to be realistic. And that is where the whole last resort mentality that we talked about last week is really important. Okay. Knowing that this is my last resort. I've already tried to sell it on eBay as a full on set and it either sells and you make way more money than you make at a garage sale, or it doesn't sell. And you say, you know what? Okay. I didn't make the big bucks for it. I'm ready to just get rid of it and put $3 on this full set or whatever. So, uh, the other thing too, is just to remember that prices are different in different areas. I have lived, um, I mean, I've lived college out of state and I've lived in Thailand and stuff like that. But, uh, as far as the times in my life where I went to garage sales consistently, I've lived in Texas and three different places. So same state, different areas and they were all different. Uh, what's expected, you know, at a garage sale, what the prices are going to be, the types of prices that people ask, they're different. Um, my aunt lives in Kansas. Kansas is like, I knew that she's, she's the major garage sale goer person. I mean, she knows all about this stuff. She's really, really great at finding great deals. Um, but it was so funny cause I actually saw, I think it was when Oprah and Gail, this is years ago when I used to watch Oprah, um, who's not even on anymore, but whatever when Oprah and Gail went on their little trek across America and they went to Kansas and they mentioned how Kansas is like the garage sale capital of the world or something crazy like that. And I thought, Oh my goodness, that is really funny. Cause that's, I always go to garage sales in Kansas when I'm up there with my aunt. So, um, you know, there's, there's different expectations for prices. And that's where I go back into, you know, asking around, if you have a friend who had a successful garage sale, who has similar stuff to what you have, ask what prices they put on it. You know, um, going around and checking out other garage sales at the end of the day and seeing who did well, what kind of prices did they use, you know, figure out because there are places where $2 a piece would be a great price for kids clothes. But then there's other places where $2 a piece, nobody's going to pay that, you know, so it really depends on your unique area, which is why I don't give a blanket. Yes. Ask this much, but if you're not sure, be at that point where you're willing to say 50 cents a piece or 25 cents a piece or even a dollar a piece, uh, so that you can get rid of things. Okay. All right. Um, I'm talking about, uh, clothing, but the concept applies to all of your stuff. Okay. I mean, we're not talking about selling a couch for $5, but if you think you want, you know, three to $500 for a 15 year old couch, you probably need to think again. Okay. You have to be realistic about, um, the real quality of things. Cause sometimes I personally do this. I remember the item in the store. I remember the vision that I had for that item when I was picturing it in my perfectly clean house that never really existed. Okay. But I have that mentality. And I think, wow, this really is a really nice couch. I bet you I could get such and such for it. And you might on Craigslist. And so that's why you try that first. But by the time you put it in the garage sale, you need it to leave. You do not want to bring that couch back into your house. And so you put it 
as low as you possibly can. Okay. Um, and don't just discount the original store price that you paid. Garage sellers do not care what the value, what the, um, original price of something was. Okay. They are looking for a used garage sale item. So a little tykes car that was originally 50, it's probably not going to sell for 40. Okay. It might sell for 40 on eBay, but you can go on eBay and check that out and see, do people actually, how much do people pay? And I, I talked about that in a post that I will link to on how to go on eBay and check and see, are people buying this item? And if so, how much are they paying for it? Getting a good idea of what the value is there and is it worth it to me to sell it? But by the time you put it in your garage sale, you have to remember that they're expecting garage sale prices and they may, may be wanting to buy it and then sell it on eBay, which is fine. Okay. As long as, you know, they're going to have to have the profit margin to make that possible. Or if you don't want them to get that profit, then you need to do the work and put it on eBay yourself. Um, remove the emotional value. I think this is hard sometimes with clothing because you remember that outfit on that special day to a point where maybe you don't notice the ice cream stain anymore. You know, you think, well, that's not really that bad. It's really just right there on the hem and it kind of blends in with those flowers. And so, you know, I let her wear that a couple times after that ice cream stain was on there that I couldn't get out. Well, you know, those people looking at it, they have no emotional attachment to it. So all they see is the ice cream stain and they think, you know what, I'm not willing to pay three bucks for something with an ice cream stain. They might be willing to pay 50 cents, but they're not going to be willing to pay $3. So that's the thing too. Also remember, um, I advise you make money on things people don't buy, uh, which I know sounds kind of crazy, but my example for this is I never looked at adult clothing when I was big into garage sales. I never looked at adult clothing at garage sales. I just didn't. And it, it just never even crossed my mind to look at adult clothing until I went to a garage sale where they had a sign that said all clothing, 25 cents. Well, let me tell you, when I saw that sign, I started looking at adult clothing. Okay. I went over, I dug through the racks and I actually found some really cute stuff. And I kind of changed my tune on not looking at adult clothing, but it took me seeing that sign to change my mind and make me say, Oh, I am willing to look through adult clothing. And I took a lot of clothing off of their hands because, which I was selling on eBay at the time. So I took some things to sell, but that really changed my mentality. So if there are things that you've heard, don't sell, nobody buys shoes around here, whatever. Okay, great. Stick them in a box and put all shoes, 50 cents a pair. And just, you know, just say, Hey, no, supposedly these things don't sell. So I'm just going to stick them on there, say a low price. I think you might be surprised at how people will actually end up buying those things. Um, blanket pricing, and this is going, I'm going to go ahead and talk about setup here too, but blanket pricing to me is ideal. Um, one of the things that people often ask is, do I have to put a price on everything? I know there are different philosophies. I've heard people say, oh, I don't put prices on there. And then when somebody asks me, I look at them and I think, hmm, I wonder if there's somebody who is going to be willing to pay more. And I might quite quote different people, different prices, which honestly, as a buyer gets on my nerves to think that. But um, my issue with that is that I have often at a garage sale looked around, there weren't prices 
And my assumption was that they were going to be priced higher than I would want to pay. You know, first of all, it's kind of annoying to have to ask about a price on every last thing. Okay. And you have to love something to ask about the price. I mean, you have to think this is it. I have to have this. And then that makes you ask on the price where if you have a price on there, this little brown frame I might not even notice it. When there's no price, I don't love it enough to ask what the price is. But if it has a 50 cent sticker on it, I think, well, I love it for 50 cents. And I will grab that and take that with me. Okay, so I think it's a mental thing to have prices on everything. So the answer is, yes, you need to price everything. But that does not mean that you need to go through and put an individual sticker on every single item. I'm big on pricing categories. Okay. Saying, um, you know, making signs that say all clothing, or it could be all kids clothing, 50 cents, all adult clothing, a dollar, all shoes, a dollar books, 50 cents, you know, where you have categories, blanket things. Now here's where it gets frustrating because you may have those little sleepers, for, you know, that are torn and stained and you'd be happy to get 50 cents for those. But then you might have that one little Jamboree sweater that you think, oh my goodness, I can't, that hurts my heart to get rid of that for 50 cents. But if you will say a blanket price, number one, it makes people look harder at your stuff and start grabbing things out and just piling them in their arms and taking them away. But it all evens out in the end. You know, you may sell you may do a happy dance because 13 of those little sleepers left for 50 cents a piece. And that kind of helps, you know, that really have like a 10 cent value or whatever that kind of helps mentally that you sold that little Jamboree sweater for 50 cents. Okay. So it kind of, you know, looking at that is evening out. And when somebody sees a Jamboree sweater for, and everything is 50 cents, boy, I'm going to tell you, they're going to look, if it's a cute one, they're going to look harder at all of the stuff that you have. Cause they think, wow, this person has really good stuff and they're only asking 50 cents or dollar, whatever you choose. And they're going to look harder at the stuff that you have. Um, So that's, that's my thing is doing that. If you want, I mean, I've seen people who will do, you know, maybe they love jeans, you know, designer jeans, whatever, all jeans, $2, all tops, $1, you know, that kind of thing is fine. Um, as long as, you know, it it helps you, I think it helps men. I just hit pause accidentally. So I am going to, um, go back a little bit. Sorry. I know. Can you tell that these are just not the most professional things, but whatever. Um, but mentally, uh, if you go back, you know, oh, okay. So I was talking about the signs, having the signs out for the stuff that you're doing. And, um, you know, you can have all jeans, $2, like say you have nice designer jeans, something like that. Jeans are $2 tops are a dollar, you know, shoes are a dollar boots, or $3, whatever you can do that. It makes it easier on you. And I guarantee you that as long as it's decently low prices, it's going to help people be motivated to look more closely at the stuff that you do have. Um, okay. Again, with the disclaimer, I could be wrong. When I tell you to, you know, you need to price things low, it is totally possible. You could have somebody come by your garage sale that loves all this stuff, but it's a gamble. I personally, when I need to get stuff out of my house, I'm not willing to gamble. I want the stuff out of my house. And 
again, that's that whole last resort mentality. If I make some money, great. But the main goal is that people are going to carry my clutter out of my garage into their car. And it's the best feeling ever. Okay. Setup. Should you do this alone or should you do it with a friend? I think it's great to do it with a friend. I am big on that. You know, sometimes I haven't been able to do that, but it helps. I mean, my kids, some of their very best memories are the days that we've had garage sales and their best friends were over here and played all day long together outside. I mean, they love that, you know, they'll set up a little lemonade stand or whatever, or just play in the backyard. But having it with a friend is helpful, especially when you have little kids, when we had babies and I need to go inside to feed the baby or put the kids down for a nap or whatever. It's very helpful when you have, you know, somebody there that can help you so that you can, you know, tag team being out there. Um, it also helps for people to be excited about coming to your sale. You know, when it's a two or three family sale, great. Um, neighborhood sales are awesome. People love to know that they can park once, get their stroller out with their kids and go to three or four houses. It's great. I am not a big fan of the yearly neighborhood garage sales because, because I think year after year, Um, you know, when they've been doing it for several years, you kind of find that people are just throwing a few things out there because they did their big purge, um, the year before or whatever. Uh, so I'm not that big of a fan, but I do think that a neighborhood garage sale is a great idea, uh, for, you know, getting people together and advertising it together that you, you know, split the cost on advertising and the work and all that is a great, great thing. Um, do you have to hang up all of your clothing? I can't hang up all of my clothing. Maybe I could now, but when I was having these big purge garage sales, this was in the time where I had been buying um, clothes for my children like you wouldn't believe. I didn't have laundry under control yet. There's another podcast on conquering laundry, uh, which you can go and listen to and how I've gotten laundry under control. But at the time when I didn't have laundry under control, uh, I just had tons of clothes and I would buy more clothes at garage sales because I could find them for cheap. And I had so many clothes to get rid of that hanging them all up was not an option. I did used to have a hanging rack. Oh, those are awesome. But it was too big to store in my house. And so I finally sold it on Craigslist, got rid of it. Um, and I haven't missed it unless I've had a garage sale. And But in that case, I will do things like, um, uh, you know, put a broom handle between a ladder and a bookshelf or whatever. You can hang things on your fence. Um, you know, just finding ways to hang up as much as you can. Yes. If you're able to hang it up, that's the best way to do it. But if you can't, a table is better. If people don't have to squat down, that's great, you know, to dig through boxes. People aren't going to dig through boxes the way that they're going to dig through a pile of clothes on a table. Okay. So the more that you can get things out there where people can see it easily and access it, um, that's great. Excuse me. But, uh, you know, just don't stress. It is a garage sale. If you need to throw a box out there at the last minute of things that you forgot to, you know, arrange neatly do that. I mean, it's a garage sale, but the more neatly you can arrange things, the more tables that you can use so people don't have to bend over the better. Okay. Um, but I am, I am one to, you know, do a box of books, maybe divide it into children's books, um, youth books and adult books or whatever, you know, the more you can separate it out. Great. But if you can't, it's not that big of a deal. Um, how much change do I need to have? Oh, oh, let me go back to toys real quick. Um, you don't want to have your kid's toy box out there and people have to find all the pieces for a puzzle. 
on their own, that's not a good idea. You know, go ahead and get those things put together and set out and you're most much more likely to actually sell those things. You know, things need to be clean ish. They don't have to be perfect condition because the people get to look at it. But if it's been sitting in your garage and it has spider webs and dust all over it, you do need to clean it, you know, to make it people willing to actually pay money for it. Um, how much change do I need to have? I know there are people who will go out and get a hundred dollars worth of change before a garage sale. I personally don't do that. I might, you know, have, I don't know, 20 ones, um, and I don't know, three or $4 in quarters. Because the truth is people are going to be paying in small bills generally. Now you may, I could be wrong. You may have somebody, the first three people might have hundred dollar bills, which brings me to, it's a good investment to get the counterfeit, um, marker. You know, there's a little marker that you can mark a hundred dollar bill and make sure it's real. Um, I learned that on the very last garage sale that I had, I didn't really have that much stuff, but one person came and they bought just about everything that I had. Um, and I was selling it at really low prices and, um, they gave me a hundred dollar bill. And I just thought I, cause I had to give them change like 20, $30 change or something. I might have just paid this person to take a huge pile of my stuff out. If this is a fake hundred dollar bill, you know, cause there, there really is an issue. So I wish that I would have had the little counterfeit pin checker. And I have a link to that in one of my posts, um, that I'll put in the show notes for podcast number 28. So change, yes, have some change, but I don't think it's necessary to have, um, tons of change because you're going to be collecting change. How do I handle the money? I am not a big fan of the table, where people have to stand in line to come and pay for their stuff. Mostly because I've been the person at the garage sale who changed my mind on a lot of stuff while I was waiting in line. Okay. I am much more a fan of the two or three people who are helping to run the garage sale, me and my husband or a friend or whatever, whoever's there walking around with, um, fanny packs. I'm sorry if you're in England, I know that's a bad word, but here it's not. Well, it is because people think they're embarrassing, but it's these waist purses, these belt purses that you put around your waist. If you don't have one of those because you think they're embarrassing, I'm all for them. I think they're awesome. But if you think they're embarrassing, that's fine. But at Home Depot or places like that, you can get a little um, tool apron that's just small and you can just tuck your your, um, money in there, you know, make change right away. Um, I also have a uh, notepad when I do it with someone else. So instead of, you know, writing out the person's name and then how much I will, or, you know, trying to do it in columns, columns are very confusing because the reality is most people are going to buy two, three, two things that were yours, three things that were your friends and two things that were the other friends. And so, you know, trying to get that all in columns just takes a long time when you're dealing with a lot of people and you know how it is. Everybody comes at one time. But instead to just write in a, just down the sheet, um, you know, 50 cents in for Noni, you know, 75 H for Heather or whatever it is that you do. Um, just doing that down the sheet with, uh, the person's initial to the side of it, instead of trying to put it in columns, it just makes it go faster. Um, okay. So we talked about arranging things. Uh, one of the things that I recommend, you know, is make sure if you have big items like furniture, you know, if you've just put furniture in your ad, which is better to be specific, we'll talk about that next week, but 
if you've just put furniture in there, um, or if you've put couch, whatever, put that stuff out where people can see it from the street. Cause if they can't see it, they're going to think, Oh, it's already gone. And if that's what they're specifically looking for, they may drive on by and not get out. Um, but you know, put things like your, you know, your kids play stuff and things like that out where people can see it from the street. But anything, toys and stuff like that, do try to keep it in a safe area where you've got stuff for their mom to look at in front of, you know, between the stuff the kids are going to want to play with and the street, you know, just to keep the kids safe. Because I know for me personally, when I would go with my little kids, which that was when I was majorly buying at garage sales, because, you know, those are one of the best things to buy at garage sales is stuff for little kids. But um, as I would do that, I would look and see, uh, you know, is it safe for me to let my kids play over here with these toys while I look through the clothing? You know, was it somewhere where I could see them easily and they were away from the street? So that's the way that I do it. Also, you know, I did have a garage sale with a a dear friend who doesn't have children and she had a couple of toys for some reason that she was selling and she got so irritated at kids playing with the toys. Now, obviously if it's something that the pieces are going to get lost easily, you know, put them up higher, but toys for kids to play with at the garage sale means that the kids are happy. And if the kids are happy, mom is happy and mom is more likely to spend money. So I'm just a fan of, okay, you know, great. Put some stuff where the kids can play with them and maybe the mom will decide to buy it and get it out of my house. Um, okay. So that's it for today. I've already hit 30 minutes. So uh, thank you so much for joining me again. This is podcast number 28 and the show notes will be linked from a slob slash podcasts with an S uh, connect with me over at a slobchemsclean.com slash connect. Uh, if you have listened this long, I hope that you would be so kind if you haven't already to go to iTunes and, um, leave a review because those reviews help so much in helping other people find the podcast and just getting the word out. And I, it really does help me so much. So thank you so much for joining me today. Next week, I'm going to talk about, um, advertising your garage sale, because if you have a garage sale and you put a ton of work into it and nobody comes, uh, it's kind of pointless. So, uh, that's what I'll do. And then I'll be done with the garage sale series and move on to something else. So thank you so much for joining me again. Email me at a slob at gmail.com. If you have questions or, uh, suggestions for future podcasts, I would greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much. Bye.